Dear God, we come for, before you today thankful for breath in our lungs, thankful for another day that we are living. God, we ask that you speak to us this morning. God, don't let anyone with a microphone get in the way. God, we want you to speak to us this morning. God, we love you and we thank you for the blessings that you give us. And so God, teach us something today and allow life transformation to happen here this morning. God, we love you and it's in your name we do pray, amen. Good morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Joey Eakers. I'm the, the youth pastor at Northside. Um, I spend most of my Sundays at, at the Wadsworth campus um, because there's high schoolers that I gotta, you know, teach. <laughs> um, and, and, and a lot of you are familiar with Brady, uh, Brady Chrisman, who is usually the one here um, teaching the youth here at the Medina campus. But today we decided to switch, so he's at the Wadsworth campus today, and I get to be at the Medina campus today. And I, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. I love the Medina campus because I love the potential that it has. Um, so I, I wanna start off with some crowd interaction. Um, so can anyone just tell me, like, what's, why does Northside Medina exist? Like, I mean, Northside Wadsworth was doing good. Like, why, why did we start another campus? Can anyone tell me? Does anyone know? Spread the gospel. Just spread the gospel? Yeah, absolutely. Amen. That's it. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> That's right on. To church the unchurched. Because as as some of you probably know, in the city of Medina, there are about 26,000 people, and many surveys say that about 50% of those people don't even claim to attend church. That's 13,000 people that don't even say that they step foot in a church. And that doesn't count all the people who says they do attend church, when in reality, it's a lot of them, it's probably just on Christmas or Easter. And so there's at least 13,000 people in the city of Medina who are unchurched. And so the vision of Northside Medina is to church the unchurched. And so I have to ask you personally, and this is for you personally to assess, how many unchurched people have you brought in this building? Uh-oh. Because <laughs> if I would answer that, I would say zero. And so the message I'm bringing today is not going to be an easy one, but it's going to be one that I need to learn too. It's all of us together, and the reality of it is we know the vision to share the gospel, to church the unchurched, but how many of us are actually doing that? And I get it because a lot of us, the, 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 the general consensus is we look at the lead pastor and we say, all right, it's your job, you do this. But that's never how God intended the church to, be, to look like. He designed it to a, for a community of people, a community, a church of people, all following Jesus with their life and churching the unchurched. And so the message that we're going to get into today is not going to be an easy one. And, and we're going to go into one of Jesus' most important commandments that he ever commanded. And as it says in John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus is talking, he says, if you love me, keep my commands. Pretty simple, right? Pretty straightforward. 
It's a straightforward statement. If you love me, keep my commandments. And so we're going to go into a challenging commandment today, one that you probably already have heard, probably already know, but I'm going to shed it maybe in a new light. And I want this to be a reminder that Jesus is saying, if you love me, keep my commandments. See, I'm going to preach about something that, that could potentially be life-changing and, and could be transformational for this church. But some of you will probably sit here and change nothing with your life after this message. And I have to ask the question, what does that say about your love for Jesus? See, Jesus gives us a lot of commands in Scripture. It says, if you love me, if you really love me more than anything in your life, I mean, you love me more than your kids, you love me more than your family, you love me more than your, than your comfort zone, you love me more than your circumstances. If you really love me, then keep my commandments. And so a lot of you will say, oh, I love Jesus. When in reality, you love the goosebumps you get when we worship, but then as soon as he asks you to step out of your comfort zone, it's challenging and you're, you question it. And so as you can probably already tell, I'm, a, I'm the kind of guy that just comes here and I want to preach truth. And when I look at the examples when Jesus preached truth throughout scripture, a lot of times the truth that he preached offended people. More specifically, religious leaders. They got offended by him so much to the point to where they crucified him on a cross. And so my intention today is to preach truth. And if that truth makes you a little bit uncomfortable, then that's good. That means you're going to change something. And that's the goal. And I take the, the, the message of Francis Chan as, as his mentality when he preaches is he always looks at the clock at the back of the room that says how much time he has left to preach. And he pictures that clock as, a, as the time he has left to live on earth. And he says, if, for example, if I had 20 minutes left to live on earth, that as the clock says, then what would I preach? Because he's not concerned with how people think of him, what people's opinions about him. He's concerned with delivering truth to the people that are listening. And so my intention today is to preach to Northside Medina a message that is timely and as important. And that most importantly is true. And so before we get into this commandment that I've been talking about, I want to introduce this concept called hermeneutics. It's a big fancy word. It's probably the biggest word I know, so I love saying it. Um, but this, this, this word basically means it's like a process of studying scripture. It's a process of breaking down passages and verses and, and coming to the meaning of, of what it actually means. Right? So a lot of theologians and a lot of pastors use the process of hermeneutics to figure out what something means. For example, when we read the creation account in Genesis... It says, like, on the first day, this was created. On the second day, this was created, right? And so the word day, the original Hebrew word for day is, is yom. It's Y-O-M, right? And yom is used about 2,000 times in Scripture. And about 1,000 of those times, about half the times that it's used, it's used as a literal 24-hour day. But the other half of the time, it's used to say a period of time, a collection of years, maybe even a lifetime. It's used to, to, to explain a lot of different periods of time. And so when we look at the creation account in Genesis and we study this passage, 
The reason that people disagree on whether the earth is, was created in six days or 600 million years is because there's not really conclusive evidence on what that word actually means, right? It could mean a, a few different things, right? So that's just an example of the process of hermeneutics. You study these words and you break down scripture and you're like, what could this possibly mean? Right? And in reality, a lot of scripture, a lot of the words found in scripture could mean different things, which is why there are so many people that disagree on their interpretations of scripture, which is okay. As long as, like, I can believe the earth is 600 million years old, and I can still believe that Jesus saved me, and that he's the Lord of my life, right? And so it's okay to have disagreements on some of these smaller um, 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 things about scripture that don't really impact your faith so much. And, and that's natural. And the reason I explain this, I'll, I'll get to it, but, but every passage I want to approach, I want to approach with this process of hermeneutics. I want to really break it down. What could this possibly mean? Because a lot of passages, again, a lot of the words could mean some different things. And so I really want to break it down. And so I, when I was in college, um, I'm, I mean, I'm still in college. I don't want to say when I was in college. <laughs> still in college. My first year in college, I took this class called hermeneutics, right? Um, and that's how I learned this big fancy word that I use. And uh, w what this class taught me is how to study scripture. And so one of the papers that I was assigned, I was assigned this passage of scripture um, to break down and to write a paper on. And so this passage of scripture is one that you probably recognize, but I want to give you, just, just give me a chance to, to teach something maybe new about it that I learned. And so it's in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, and it says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, hold on, I want to pause. So Jesus is in the spot where he's approaching the disciples and he's saying something to them. And if you just read it at face value, you'd be like, okay, no biggie. You know, he said a lot of, thing to, a lot of things to the disciples. But if you actually look in your paper Bibles, I don't know if people still use paper Bibles anymore. Um, but, but if you do, uh, if you look at it in your paper Bibles, you'll realize that this is one of the last things Jesus ever says in the Gospel of Matthew before he ascends into heaven. Right, so at this point, Jesus has already died, had resurrected, and, is now, and has already preached and, and continued to teach, and now he's about to ascend into heaven, but he has, says one last thing to the disciples. And if I've learned anything from movies and from TV shows, is that the last thing someone says before they die or before they go away is usually really important. In fact, it's usually the most important thing they could think to say. And so just to set the scene, Jesus is, is, is saying his final word to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. So what he's about to say is probably really important. In fact, it's the most important thing that Jesus could think to say. And he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so I was assigned this passage my freshman year of college, and I had to write a 30-page paper on it, which is just ridiculous. That's criminal. <laughs> the longest paper I'd ever written at this point in my life was like seven pages. 
And so this was just terrible. When I was assigned this project, I instantly went into the, like the online grade book called Canvas, and I typed in a zero for what I would get on this paper to see if I could survive a zero. <laughs> Turns out I couldn't. <laughs> so I had to do it. And so I'm assigned this passage, and, and again, this isn't a lot of scripture, right? So how am I going to write 30 pages on it, right? One page is a lot. 30 pages is way too many. And so when, when you have to write 30 pages, and this is probably the reason the professor does this, is you have to dive into every little detail. Like you got to start looking at the background information. You got to dig into Matthew, the tax collector. You got to dig into why he's writing this book, what his circumstances were. You got to dig into the, um, the information on who's receiving this gospel, like who, who the people that are hearing this, like what, what are they going through? What's their circumstance? You got to dive into every single word and, and, and go through what could, this po- what could this word possibly mean? What, could, what other times does it appear in scripture? What does it mean in those t- instances in scripture? I mean, break it down and break it down and break break it down, and break it down. And so the way that I used to like writing papers, I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't really like writing papers, but the way I wrote papers in college was I would go to the library on a Saturday morning at like 8 or 9 in the morning, and I would sit down and I would just work on it until I, I, until I was finished. And the only breaks I took was to fill up my water bottle or to go to the restroom. I wouldn't stop to go to lunch. I wouldn't stop to even go to dinner. Because I know that as soon as I stopped to go to lunch, I would see some friends at lunch, and then we would go play basketball for a few hours, and then I would go shower, and then we'd hang out a little bit, and then we'd go to dinner, and then after dinner, we would go explore the city of Chicago. And uh, then I would get home at about 10 p.m., and I'd realize I have a paper due tomorrow. The, real, the reason I know I would do this is because it happened. <laughs> And so what I learned is that when I wrote papers, I needed to go sit in the library and just work on it until I finished, without distraction. And so I, I go to the library and I start working on this paper. I start, I start with doing some background information, right? I, the goal is to try to fill out about 10 pages of background information, right? And so I, I, I grab every book I could find on Matthew or, or the, the time period that it was written. And I, I, I find all these books and I have probably 20 or 30 books laid out on this table, right? I was the only one in the library at Saturday morning. Um, surprise. <laughs> um, and, and I have all these books laid out, and I'm, I'm doing these re- this research, and I'm studying, and I'm, like, typing all this stuff in. And about four hours go by, so it's about noon, about 1 o'clock, and I got my, about 9 or 10 pages, right, of background information. I'm like, let's go. I'm doing well, right? And so then I start going to, like, all right, now I want to study the words found in this scripture, And so I started with that first verse. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I studied all those words and what it could possibly mean because earth could mean a lot of different things. Authority could mean a few different things, but it it usually has the same meaning. And, and, And so I'm studying all this scripture. I'm studying all these words. And then I get to the word go. Right in verse 19, it says, therefore go. For those of you who have an outline, can I ask you to like underline that word for me or circle it? Therefore, go. And I was kind of enticed by this word because this is like a really important word in this. This is what starts the commandment. Therefore, go. And so I decided, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really study this word. And so I found out that the word go appears in the New Testament about 162 times. And so I start looking into every instance it's used. 
I mean, I'm looking up every single scripture that's referred to where it's used, and I'm, I'm studying, okay, what could it possibly mean in this situation, in this situation, and, and I'm studying this word, and I'm studying this word. I spent six hours studying this word. So I get to about, it's, it's about 6 or 7 p.m., and at the end of my studies, at the end of my research, I finally come to the conclusion that go means go. And that's your only note that you have. <laughs> because I'm not much of a note taker. So, <laughs> Go means go. And you laugh because you're like, that's, I mean, obviously. <laughs> but as I said at the beginning, a lot of words in scripture can mean multiple different things. But go doesn't. It means go. That's it. It's all it can mean. That's all it will ever mean. Go means go. And it's funny that Jesus used this word go knowing that this is the only thing that it could possibly mean because, because he knows that Christians today like to use scripture and kind of twist it and make it like, oh, this fits my life so I'm good, you know. Like put like Philippians 4.13 on my helmet football so I can beat the other team, you know. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like we love to twist scripture and use it for our benefit. And so Jesus knew this. And so he said, the most important commandment I'm going to give to my disciples before I ascend into heaven is a word go that can only mean go. And I remember finally coming to this conclusion and I was struck. Because I was living in a city, in the city of Chicago, filled with over two million people. And I haven't told a single soul about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I realized sitting there in the library that when Jesus meant, said go, he meant go, and that it's a commandment and not a suggestion, that I was, I was explicitly ignoring a commandment that he had given us. I kept giving the rationale of, oh, you know, I'm going to college to prepare for ministry, to prepare to go. You know, I'm just, I'm working on myself right now, right? But Jesus is very clear that go it means go. It doesn't say go in five years, go, and go when you feel like you're ready, go when it's in your comfort zone, go when the circumstances are right, go when you feel like uh, everything is just shit aligned perfectly so I can go. No, he says go. And maybe the thought is, oh, no, 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 this is meant for pastors and, and for people who are leaders of the church. But Jesus wasn't talking to pastors he wasn't talking to religious leaders. He was talking to some fishermen and a tax collector. He was talking to a, a group of teenagers and 20-year-old and 30-year-old individuals. And he said, go. And he didn't say, go, John. He didn't say, go, Peter. He didn't say, um, go, Bartholomew. He said, go. He left it open-ended. And so it's a commandment that Jesus said, if I could say anything to these disciples, if I could say anything to the people who are going to start the church, this is what I'm going to say, go. And so it's up to us to go. Northside Medina, the reason that I believe this is a timely message is because, like I said at the beginning, the vision of this church is to church the unchurched. So go. But the reality for many of us sitting in these seats is that we haven't invited a single soul to this campus. 
We haven't told a single soul about the gospel of Jesus Christ in the city of Medina. The reality for a lot of us is we tend to just sit and wait instead of go. Or we look at Jeff and as the lead pastor and we say, no, 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 Jeff needs to go. But Jesus was very clear. And I love that Jesus gave this commandment not to pastors or to religious leaders. He gave it to just common folk and said, go. In Mark chapter 16, it's, it's a similar um, instance where this is the same time period, and this is just how Mark wrote it down. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. What Jesus makes clear here is a couple of things. Number one, he says go again, which as we know, go means go. Awesome. We learned something today. No. He says go and preach the gospel. But he also makes it clear that not everyone is going to believe. And he seems to be okay with that. He said, whoever believes is going to be saved and baptized, and, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. See, I think a lot of times the, 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 the hesitation for sharing the gospel with, with just random people out in the city of Medina is that maybe they won't accept it, and then I'll be embarrassed. Or, you know, I'm not going to waste my time because they're not going to receive the gift. But Jesus is making it clear here that it's not up to you whether they receive it or not. It's not. But he does say what's up to you is to go. Jesus makes it clear here that going is not an option. It's not a suggestion. If you want to be a follower of Christ, also called a Christian, if you want to be someone who follows Jesus with your life, he makes it very clear you need to go. Some people are going to believe and some people aren't. That's not up to you. You see, I want to do some math here for a second. I'm not a big math guy. In fact, I'm terrible at math. Um, but I, I want to do it, so I'm going to use a calculator. <laughs> let's say there are 50 people in here, right? which there are probably more than that, but let's say 50. Let's say 50, all 50 people decided, you know what? I'm going to receive this commandment because I love Jesus. Remember at the beginning, if you love me, keep my commandments. I love Jesus, so I'm going to keep his commandment to go. Let's say all 50 people decide to do that. And let's say once a week for an entire year, you tell at least one person about Jesus, about the gospel of Jesus Christ explicitly, not just saying, oh, I love Jesus, but like, like here's what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. Let's say 50 people decide that, that they'll tell at least one person every single week about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's an easy, attainable goal. At the end of the year, 2,600 2,600 people will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because of one church committed to going. Let's take it a step farther. Let's say 10% of those people decide, you know what? I want to receive this free gift of eternal life and I want to be a follower of Jesus. Let's just say 10%, right? One out of every 10. The fact that I had to use a calculator for that is embarrassing. <laughs> That's 260 people. 
260 people in one year will now be followers of Jesus Christ because 50 people decided, you know what, I'm going to commit myself to go. That would multiply the size of this church by six. I think, yeah. In one year, this church could multiply by six. Imagine, we have a five-year lease on this building. Imagine in five years, we won't even be able to hold all the people that are coming in this building to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. What I'm trying to be clear about is that if we really have a church committed to go and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to invite unchurched people into this building to be churched, then this building won't be able to hold all the people that will be coming. And maybe you're saying, oh, no, 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 Joey, you've got to be rational about it. Like, be realistic. But it's very clear in Scripture that it says have childlike faith. Because childlike faith doesn't worry about consequences. It doesn't worry about punishments. It doesn't worry about what's actually rational. Because what God can do is so much greater than what we think he can do. And so maybe you're starting to think right now of some people that you could share the gospel of Jesus with. Maybe you're going to go to Wendy's after this, and you're going to come in contact with an employee, probably a teenager who's just working shift to shift, trying to make enough money to go off to college. And maybe they really need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ today. Maybe by you stepping out and saying, you know what, I want a burger and fries, and also, do you know the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Maybe that statement could eternally save their life. And you might be saying, maybe it won't. Okay, so what? At least you tried. One person a week for a whole year. And then think about it. This church would be about 300 people then, right? And again, these are just numbers. I'm just throwing out there. Who knows what God can do? Let's say then 300 people decide to tell one person about Jesus every single week. That's a big number that I'm not going to do in my head. In three years, we can change the city of Medina. Do you believe that? Because I do. The reason this campus exists is to change the city of Medina. So it's a waste of time if we sit here and learn about what Jesus commands us to do and then do nothing with it. As I said at the beginning, some of you are going to hear this message, hear about the commandment of Jesus Christ and change nothing about your life. And I have to ask you, what does that say about your love for Jesus like if you really love Jesus more than your circumstances more than your comfort zone more than any individual that's in your life if you really love Jesus more than than your time more than your situations more than anything that's going on in your life if you really love Jesus more than anything in your life then none of those things should matter we have the most valuable thing that this world could ever have, and that's the, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Why are we so afraid to share it? And so on your notes, there's a little section on the bottom, right? I, le- I left a little white space on the bottom on that little outline you guys all have. What I want you to do with that little section is I want you to start writing names of people who you know don't know Jesus Christ. 
Go ahead, you can start writing now. Write some names of people in your, that you know don't know who Jesus Christ is. And if you don't know anyone who doesn't know Jesus, then you should probably get to know some more people. Because Jesus hung, hung around people that didn't know him all the time. And you can write more than one name. You can write just one name. But then the other thing I want you to write on there, and you can write this in your phone too if that's more accessible, is I want you to write how you're going to go. Right? Because this whole hour that we spent here this morning would be a waste of time if we all leave this building and decide to just live our normal lives as we were living before. So I want you to write how you're going to go. For some of you, that could mean joining a small group. Maybe some of you aren't a part of a small group. Maybe that is how, what it means to go. For some of you, that could mean, you know what, I'm going to start serving. Because serving is not only a suggestion, it's an expectation. So maybe that's what it means to go for you. Some of you, probably a lot of you in here are already in a small group and are already serving. That's awesome. That's, I mean, that's the bare minimum, but that's awesome. But some of you maybe tend to leave your faith in here. Some of you need to start sharing it. There are people surrounded in your life that don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ, and what a shame. Maybe some of you need to start just do, doing stuff, outreach for people. I, I saw two examples of this within Northside over the past couple weeks. I, I've started looking for it. One Sunday after, after ch- church, I, I was leaving Northside and I was going into Walmart because I needed to buy a few things. And um, if you guys don't know, go, go to the Walmart in, um, in Wadsworth. Uh, there's usually like a homeless person in the corner of that parking lot. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty common. And I remember driving up to, and I saw this homeless person, but I also saw a member of Northside praying over this person. How amazing is that? I mean, a lot of us are like, oh, I don't have cash to give them, so I'm just going to drive past them. But I didn't even think about that. What about praying for them or sharing the gospel with them? They have time. They're standing there. Another instance I saw was um, on Facebook, actually. This, this woman, she got baptized a couple months ago, and, and Northside kind of posted on their Facebook about, um, you know, like, welcome to the family, right? Like, in some of the pictures of her getting baptized, and she decided to, like, like repost. I don't really know the terminology with Facebook. I'm still learning it. But she decided to, like, repost it and, like, write stuff with it. <laughs> um, and instead of writing, like, oh, thanks, you know, like, this is awesome, she wrote, hey, if you all want your life to be changed like, he, like Jesus changed my life, then join us at Northside. Here are the times, the services. And she also said, if you need a ride, let me know. I'll come pick you up. How great is that? We all have a car. We all have gas. We can drive to someone and pick them up. And it got me thinking. I was like, what if I sent an invitation to come to church every single week? What harm does that do? None. What potential does that have? A lot. The reason I share these examples is because there are people in Northside that are, that are going, and I see it, and I love to see it. But imagine if all of us decided to go. Imagine the, the, the change that would happen in our community. That's what I'm trying to say to you, Northside Medina. 
is that you have an incredible potential. You're, you, you know the vision. I heard it at the beginning to church the unchurched. And so it's time that we do that. It's time that we step up a little bit and decide to start doing it to church the unchurched because there are at least 13,000 people who are destined for a place that we don't want to know about because they don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ and because there are people unwilling to share it with them. So I'm going to ask the band to come back up. But they're not coming up to sing another song. They're going to come back up on stage and they're going to they're going to pray with me for you guys. Cuz what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to pray for you and then you're going to go. We're not going to sing another song. We're not going to continue the service. We're just going to we're just, we're going to go. And if you're new here, I would love to get to know you. There are pe- anyone here on stage would love to get to know you too. And so if you guys want to stick around, I would love to get to know who you are and where you're from. But after this, we're not going to waste any time and we're just going to go. All right, so let me pray for you guys. Dear God, we thank you for this church. We thank you for this people. God, we thank you for the blessing of life. God, we thank you for the blessing of a relationship with you. God, give us the courage to share it. God, you commanded us to go. So God, put it in our hearts to go, to use our talents, gifts, abilities, whatever it is to go. God, equip these people, equip this church with the things they need to go. God, I also want to pray for the names of the people that were in their, in their minds or that they wrote down. God, I pray that those people can come to know who Jesus is. God, allow us to go. In your holy and mighty name, we do pray. Amen. Northside Medina, in the, in the words of Jesus Christ himself go. Have a great week. We love you.